morning. Welcome to Bethel. You guys can have a seat. You guys, who knew it was National Hot Chocolate Day before you walked in here this morning? Did anybody like, what good news when you got to church and you found out it was National Hot Chocolate Day? That's amazing. So I hope you guys got your hot chocolate. If you're home joining us online, go make some. Go make some hot chocolate. If you didn't get yours, you can grab some on the way out. And there's whipped cream. It always makes me laugh when I go to Starbucks and order my hot chocolate. And they're like, do you want whipped cream on that? like, is that a question you're really trained to ask? Come on, of course. Yes, we have to have whipped cream on our hot chocolate. So please get your hot chocolate on the way out. Um, If you're visiting with us, whether you're online or in person, we would love to connect with you this week. And the best way to do that is to go to mybethel.cc slash connect. And there's um, a connection card there. And you have a place to give your name and a number or email address. And we would love to just reach out to you and see how we can best serve you this week. You guys, good news this week. I told you last week to pray for Jordan and the Herons. Um, Baby Crew was born on Tuesday, so I think that deserves like a big round of applause. And Jordan and Crew are home and doing well. And so I just wanted to celebrate with um, Pastor Reuben and his family and a newest member of our Bethel family right here. So keep praying for them as they... Um, you know, continue to just get better after birth. I don't know, you know, the stuff that happens after you have birth. So pray for them. Um, We are continuing today in our series called Alignment. Today, the title is Play to Win. Is there really any any other way? We're a little bit competitive in our house when it comes to games and board games. So you play to win. And, but when you play a game, there's always rules, right? You got to follow the rules. Have to have the rule book candy to help any dis discrepancies along the way. And so today we're going to talk about the rules of engagement and how to play to win. So let's get started. Good morning, Bethel. How are you? My name is Ray. I know you don't recognize me this morning, but is this uh, Ray? Uh, new, he- new year, new do. I guess that's the way we do. But uh, I know some people are against it and upset, but it's okay. <laughs> it is a lot colder now. I don't know. I don't, it's crazy. Um, Christy was talking about games and playing to win. Uh, anybody competitive, like overly competitive? Yes. Okay. So, so my mom raised her hand. I wasn't sure if she was going to be in the first service or second service. I was going to tell some stories, but now that she's in the service, I'll wait till the second service. No. Um, <laughs> I grew up um, very, I don't know, laid back, reserved until there was a board game, until there was like games on the table. And uh, when I married into Christie's family, they thought that's just how it always was. Uh, but no, it's just game time is different. You know, when it's game time, you don't just play games just to play games. You play games to win and crush your enemy, right? That's how it is. And so my son, I'm teaching him how to play chess and how to get kind of along the way of learning some strategy. And sorry, I'm just going to crush him every time because someday he's going to beat me and someday he's going to crush me. But um, I remember this one time we, we had this game in Costa Rica. It was Uno, but it wasn't just any Uno. It was called Uno con castigo, which means Uno with punishment, okay? And so... As you play, you have everybody, everybody playing, and the rules of the game are you can do anything, anything, and le- until you get caught, unless you get caught. And so you can do anything, any tricks, any cheating, whatever you want to call it, but that's part of the rules until you get caught. 
And if you get caught, there's a punishment, okay? And a punishment when you're playing the game is you have to draw a bunch of cards. But we play until the very last person is the last person with all the cards. So there's, even though there's 15 people, 10 people, it doesn't matter. The last person is the loser. In the punishment, you choose three things, one of three things. You either choose everyone flicks you as hard as they can on the forehead. That's punishment number one. Punishment number two, everyone slaps your hand as hard as they want to. I'm telling you, it's like bad. Slap. Now, remember, I'm a teenager and out of the country, and so this is different, you know. And then third one is you drink 10 glasses of water, and you cannot go to the restroom or do anything until the second round is over, the next round is over. And sometimes these rounds last an hour, so you had to drink 10 glasses of water, get slapped or thumped. Well, this one time we were on a trip with the youth of our church, we decided to play this uno con castigo, and we got to the end, and I was getting to where I was about to lose, I was trying to cheat, I got caught, I was trying to do everything I could not to lose. And these dudes that were my friends, they were ruthless and terrible. There's no way I was going to take flicks on the forehead. There was no way I was going to take slaps. So it was the water. Water was what I was going to take. And so I drank my water, barely got it down. I mean, I was sick by the end of 10 cups of water. And I'm sitting there, and we're in the middle of the second round. And I'm trying my best to hold it. I'm trying my best not to have any accidents, no sudden movements, nothing like that. Well, the next thing I know... I'm running as fast as I can out of the room, and they open this sliding door into this garden area, and I've got this fire hose coming out of my mouth. I mean, it was like full, full hot dogs were coming out. I was like, didn't I chew that? I don't know what's going on, but it was bad, like really, really bad, and I was like, oh, I feel so much better, and all my friends were like, 10 more glasses of water, and I was like, uh, play to win. I mean, you have to figure out the rules of the game. My kids yesterday played basketball. It was fun to watch them. It was ruthless. It was to the, to the end, the last minute. Uh, my, my, both my kids are scrappers. It's kind of interesting because I was like, where'd they get that? Yeah, probably from me. Then they're on the court. We're going to play to win. Max, as quiet as he is, he was like taking the ball and he was getting aggressive. And I was like, go, Max. Well, Lily's game, there was a, Lily and Kaiten over here, there was a tied game all the way. It was just like super close, super close, super close. Last under a minute left to go. We were down three points. One of their teammates made a three-point shot, and everybody was freaking out. We went into overtime, and in that overtime, here's the problem is that they had fouled so many times that every time they fouled, the other team got a shot. And I was like, we're done. We're done. We're going to lose. But they won by one point. We lost our minds. It was a lot of fun. One of the parents lost their testimony during the, during the time. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I mean, pretty bad. But when you play, you play to win. You play to win. You don't just play just to fool around. And we're, we're in the book of Philippians, and Paul is giving us a, an inside Christian look of a life of a believer or the life of a, a person that wants to follow Jesus. And he's giving us some rules of engagement. He's, he set up the first chapter to this, to this church, and he's talking about like self-evaluation, self-discovery. He's trying to get church people to understand that we're not just fooling around. A lot of people come to church, and we are comfortable. We have hot chocolate, and we have donuts, and we have biscuits that are amazing. We have coffee the best coffee in Oklahoma City. We have it here, and then we come in, and we forget that we're not just coming to sit. We're actually coming to engage the mission because what's at stake is something far greater than our comfort or discomfort. And so Paul is reminding us from a prison cell, listen, if you're going to play, you need to play to win, and here's some rules of engagement. We've already seen the first four weeks where we talked about, he talks about the finish. The, he has started a work in us, and he will complete the work because he started it. It was on him. It wasn't us that initiated it. It was him that initiated it. And so the first week we saw that. Then the second week was we're talking through the difficulties of following Jesus. Instead of asking, why me? 
just ask why. Why did God allow this to happen so that I could do something different with my life, that I could actually take advantage of this moment? And this year, 2020 into 2021, is a season that's very difficult, and we shouldn't just say why. We should actually say help, and we should actually get along with other people in order to step into what God's called us to. He also motivated us in chapter 1 to live for Christ. Who are you living for? Pastor Woody and Family Church, by the way, they got their temporary occupancy. They're in their building this morning, their first time. Uh, let's continue to pray for them. Uh, but it was, it was awesome to hear Pastor Woody say, listen, you are, who, you are who you're serving depends on the label that's on you. The Creator's put a label on you, and you are serving Jesus. And if you have that focus, then we understand the rules of the game. And then last week we talked about being citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven uh, don't get distracted by the common, the common things of this world, but the citizen of heaven actually will... Sorry, my iPad is acting up. What in the world? Okay. Sorry. I do not want you up. Wow, this is terrible. What's that? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Someone got upset with me, and now I've got this. Okay, I'm just going to leave it up. This is awkward. What? Jim? <laughs> now I've got these like super weird. I'm like trying to look at this. I'm just going to go for memory. What in the world? All right. There we go. All right. So Paul in chapter two. So we're, we're, we're walking through this thing about citizen of heaven last week. And in and, and the chapter two, you got to remember that when the chapters and verses were actually put in scripture, it was not that Paul was there and say, verse 1 is this, and verse 2 is this, and verse 3 is this. It's not that. That's for us to have easy reference. This was a letter that just kind of went through, and, th and through the theme, he's trying to point us to the central um, argument, which is, if you're in Christ, you'll be different. And so if Jesus is the focus of your life, all these things are going to be true. A lot of us get distracted with that, and a lot of us have our own opinions or our own adventure in life, and we don't realize that it all comes back to the central point, which is Jesus. And so in order for us to have a success in the Christian life, there is some rules and some engagement that we need to take, that would need to take place. It's just like anything you set out to do. If you don't know the rules, and if you don't know how to win the game, you're just moving pieces around the board just without purpose. And the point of Paul writing this, he says he's telling us over and over again, here's the rules of engagement. We need to play to win, and here's how you win. And it seems repetitive. If you read a lot of Paul's writings, this is all repetitive stuff that he tells us over and over again, Romans and First and Second Corinthians, and then all these little epistles that he was in prison. They all seem to reinforce the exact same idea. Uh, my kids and I, I drive them to school every day. That's one of the responsibilities I take on. I take them to school, and we have this silly habit of putting some music on and we get these one or two songs and we just listen to those songs until you just hate them and i'm like we should save these songs let's not hate them so much but we can't help it we just like repeat 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 and finally we're like we don't ever want to hear that song ever again uh, last week it was uh, we're, we're listening to tarzan as that soundtrack if you ever heard that is an amazing tar soundtrack and i'm like i don't want to hate this but eventually i'm going to hate it okay so you're like repetition 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 something happens in scripture sometimes that we hear it so many times that we don't hear it anymore that we forget that the rules of engagement are not a list of do's and don'ts but it's actually how i commit my life to jesus and sometimes i need to realign and re reset that's what this series is about is a divine chiropractor to realign us with scripture and how jesus is teaching us to get in line 
So it's through repetition that we learn. It's through repetition that we understand life. Our kids, they re we repeat things to them over and over again. Our spouses, we repeat things to them over and over again. That's just how we learn as humans. And so let's, play, let's read uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. We're going to read these, and then we're going to get back, and we're going to dig into it and see the rules of engagement so that we can play to win. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? So verse 1 is a bunch of questions, four questions. Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let's pray. God, this morning as we look at Paul's writing to the church, God, even though this was written 2,000 years ago, we know that today it is just as uh, vital and just as relevant because it's your word. You actually spoke this through Paul. So God, our church needs this. We need to be aligned with you. We need to be aligned in our hearts. And so God, this morning as we dig into the teachings of Paul, I pray that we would actually be sensitive and open and our minds and our hearts will be ready to receive. And God, when we leave this place, that it would actually change us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's four questions, six do's, six don'ts. Okay? So really quick, I'm going to go real quick. There's four rules of engagement. And then we're going to actually look at the playbook. Okay? So I just want to overview real fast the four things that we learned from this passage. And then we're going to go into actually what are we going to do as a church to play to win. Because I don't want you to leave today confused saying, okay, so I heard all this stuff. Now I don't know what to do. There's going to be some clear action steps to, to know what to do. So the first thing is, is that the first rule of engagement is you have to encounter Jesus. You have to encounter Jesus. The, there is no point in trying to serve other people and trying to love other people and trying to be humble if you've never met Jesus, if you've never met him, because he is the one that gives us the comfort. He's the one that gives us the joy. He's the one that gives us the purpose in life. He's the one that gives us direction and alignment. And if we've never encountered Jesus, if we've never taken a moment and said, you know what? I was lost in my sin. I was dead. And yet Jesus called me and I chose to follow him. It's all on him, but my heart was awakened and I went after him. If you want to call someone out, so we have this thing nowadays where on social media and in person, we want to call people out. But if you've never encountered Jesus, how in the world are you going to call someone out properly? The first four questions that you see here are, is there any encouragement belonging to Christ? So if you've ever been encouraged because you're a part of the family of God, that is one motivator. And then it says, any comfort in his love. There are so many things in our world today that if we don't have a supernatural comfort from the Father, we are going to be just sucking the life out of everybody around us looking for that comfort. And then it says, any fellowship together in the Spirit. All of us can get together and have completely different backgrounds, completely different experiences, and yet the Spirit is what ties us together, nothing else. Because all of us are completely different and completely unique in God's design. So we don't have to be on the same page necessarily on what we like and what we don't like, but Jesus is the one that aligns us together through the Spirit. It says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? So these four questions, he's asking us that when we ask, our, when we ask ourselves why people don't seem to encourage me or comfort me or love me, there's a possibility that I've never experienced Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that comforts the soul and the Spirit. And outside of Jesus, if I'm looking for someone else to put my trust in, they're going to fail every time, and then I'm going to feel lost and abandoned. 
We start with Jesus first, or we'll be frustrated with other people around us. The second rule that we see, not only find Jesus or encounter Jesus, the second one is get along with others. Get along with others. We want to have a peaceful and a productive life, and yet we're trying to accomplish this by stepping over other people around us to get it. We're trying to receive from people the thing that only God can give us. No wonder we're frustrated and we miscommunicate with one another. We get into fights and we judge one another. No wonder we don't extend grace when mistakes are made and get bent out of shape when people hurt our feelings or step on our perceived rights. Because many times we're looking for something from people that only Jesus can fulfill. We expect others to fill the void that only Jesus can. We put our hope in people rather than Jesus. And Paul tells us that the birthplace of love and unity, getting along with other people, is Jesus. So if we start our foundation on Jesus, then the rest of it can come along, getting on with other people. The third rule of engagement is to be humble. There is no enemy of love greater than pride and self-centeredness. There is no enemy greater than me wanting my way. But the enemy of pride is actual humility. You know, Jesus came. He came to humble us. Jesus came to put others above himself. And Jesus came to make the problems and and, uh, adversities and uncertainties of other people his priority. And if we're going to follow in his example, we're going to need to be humble and actually take on the same character as Jesus. And then the fourth thing, the fourth rule of engagement is don't be a busybody. If you look at the end, verse 4, it actually says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So a lot of people are like, ooh, that means I can get all up in your business. That's not it. It's actually what you're interested in, I'm actually going to take on. What you're fighting for, I'm going to walk alongside you and fight for that same thing. This is not an excuse to get in and, and gossip about people's lives. Just like any activity or new game you try, we actually learn by doing, not just by reading the book. Any new game, you've got to get in and actually try the game before you can actually learn how to do it. So how will Bethel play to win? We're going to actually dig in and say there's, there's actually four things that Bethel's going to do to play to win, okay? The first thing, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. You can highlight them in your Bible. You can also go on the Bible app, and they're written down there. But the first verse says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, or belonging to Christ, any comfort in his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? The first thing that Bethel will do is we will find Jesus. It's in our mission statement, it's who we are, it's what everything's about, is that it's about finding and then following Jesus. So my question for you, and this is a self-evaluation, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you stepped into a personal relationship with him? Not one based on your parents, not one based on your grandparents, not one based on your neighbor or your spouse, or even your kids, but a personal relationship with Jesus. Have you been comforted by Jesus through loss? Have you been encouraged by Jesus when you're discouraged? Have you been accepted by Jesus? Have you been brought into the family of God? This is our first priority in our life. And at Bethel, this is our highest priority, is that every single person encounter a personal relationship with Jesus. Because once Jesus finds you, you begin to follow him and step into a further and deepening relationship with him. This is a lifelong pursuit. And the reason many Christians, and I put quote-unquote Christians are so angry and judgmental is probably because they've never met the real Jesus. The reason so many Christians are judgmental is because they've probably never, ever encountered the real Jesus. Because once we encounter the real Jesus, we see that all those things that that are against us, Jesus took upon himself. And then Jesus died on the cross for us. 
And you may say, oh, I'm a pretty good person compared to that person. Well, that's not of Jesus. Because Jesus knows that everyone's the same, everyone is disconnected, and he connects. You know, it's hard to love others when you've never been loved yourself. It's hard to express true love for those around you when you've never experienced the true love that Jesus gives, which is inescapable. So here's the action. If we're going to find Jesus, and that's the priority of our church, here's the action point that I want you to make. I want you to look around today, and I want you to make an appointment with someone. Maybe it's someone that you know, maybe it's somebody that you don't know, but I want you to make an appointment this week with someone and ask specific questions about their spiritual journey. And then let them ask you questions about your spiritual journey. Now, you may feel completely uncomfortable with this. You may be like, eee, that's personal. Yes, a relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's never private, ever. You have to make a decision to follow Jesus, and then you publish it, you declare it, because Jesus himself over and over again says, you declare me publicly before men, I'll declare you publicly before my Father. And so it's not a private issue, it's a public issue. And so I want you to find somebody this week, and I want you to share your spiritual journey with that person, and them share theirs with you. Tell them your story, how you encountered, how encountered Jesus, how they encountered Jesus and gave their lives to Jesus. Encourage one another in comfort, love, and fellowship and belonging to Jesus. And I promise you, what will happen is your finding Jesus will turn into a lifelong mission. Because some of you maybe have never encountered Jesus, and through this conversation, you'll have a relationship with Jesus. But there may be others that have been so quiet about it, you've never even shared what Jesus did in your life. I promise you, Scripture declares that if you know Jesus, you'll shout it to to the public. You will. And so we're going to find Jesus. So the first thing I want you to do is make an appointment this week with someone, anyone, other than your spouse, okay? Maybe it needs to be your spouse. Maybe that's where you need to start. But you need to make a connection with somebody, and you need to share your story. Now you're going to be like, oh, man. You're going to start looking around. You'll be like, oof, hope that person doesn't ask me. Hope that person doesn't. Ooh, they're a bunch of weirdos. Look in the mirror. We're all a little weird. I haven't met a human that's not weird. Okay? We all have our quirks. There is a chemistry thing here, and some people you just won't get along with. That's fine. But you need to connect with someone. And you need to share your story with someone. And when you do that, you begin to bond and engage in the mission of Jesus. Remember, if you're a judgmental and if you're an angry Christian, maybe you've never met Jesus. Because Paul asks us these four questions Is there encouragement? Is there comfort? Is there love? He's asking these questions because knowing Jesus changes your life. Paul was sitting in prison, and many of you are sitting in your own personal prison, and you're unwilling to break free. Know Jesus. Encounter Jesus. So the second thing, verse 2, it says, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. We're going to get on the same page. So that's the second thing we're going to do at Bethel, is we're going to get on the same page. I'm going to explain this because a lot of people think, oh, that means that everybody has to get along and agree about every point. Now, he uses the word agree. This is an aligning word, okay? Communication and alignment does not mean 100% that you will like and get on board with what everybody thinks or your preferences or your opinions. That's not what getting on the same page is. It's actually working with someone through their differences and through your differences, It's grace, and it's a grace-filled believing the best in other people. Grace goes further than judgment. When you extend grace to someone that's different than you are, 
it actually goes further than you judging that person because it opens the door to relationship. It opens the door to communication. And so if we're going to actually agree and get on the same page together, we're going to have to get over some differences. And as a church body, I promise you, in this room, there are a variety of opinions and a variety of likes and dislikes and a variety of things that just trigger you and things that don't. And yet Paul calls us and Jesus calls us to be unified and on the same page. So here's the action point. That same person that you're going to invite out for coffee or for dinner or for lunch or however you want to do it, you're going to actually figure out and get to know them and learn who they are. Make an appointment with that person and discover your differences and then find common ground in Jesus. All of us can figure out a common ground. All of us can figure out what we're the same as. And I bet you some of us, the only thing we have in common is Jesus. That's the only thing we have in common. And guess what? Jesus says that's enough to wholeheartedly agree with one another. The third thing that we're going to do as a church family is to get to know someone and then love them unconditionally. Get to know someone and then love them unconditionally. Does someone really know you? Like really, really know you? Know your faults and your flaws and your skeletons? Do they really know you? Community is all about walking with someone because of their situation and struggle in the battle, not in spite of it. So hear me about this. The reason that you can love someone is because of their struggle, not in spite of their struggle. I think a lot of people think Jesus came and loved us and saved us in spite of us. Actually, I think Jesus came and loved us because of our struggles. It's a difference. It's a switch. Because it wasn't like Jesus came and said, I'm going to keep you down here and let you know how bad you are. No, Jesus elevated us as siblings of his with God. He be, he became co-heirs with him. He no longer counted the past against us. He actually drew us in and we became family. And so when we think about loving one another, it's actually getting to know someone, all their flaws, and saying, I love you because of that. I love you because you've been honest. And so everyone desires to be loved, but even greater, everyone desires to be known and then loved. So what are the things that you're hiding that no one knows? What are the things that you're keeping secret that no one knows? You need to find that person this week. You need to get an appointment now, and you're going to say, I'm going to share some struggles. Maybe don't throw it up the first week. I mean, yeah, that might be a mistake because you may scare people, right? You're sitting at the table, and you're just like, blah. You've got to be smart. But as you're developing this relationship, they need to know you, and then when you're hearing these things and as you're sharing these things, you're going to love one another, not because you think, oh, that's awesome. No, you're going to be like, ooh, because of that, I love you because I know I struggle as well. So I accept it. Jesus knew and knows who we are. He strived for community, understanding, sacrifice, and service because of our failures. Jesus came for those in need, not those who were well. And I've learned and experienced over the years that the closer I get to Jesus, the more flawed I see that I am. The closer I get to him, the more I realize the things that I have in my life that are out of alignment, and the more I need him. This word, love one another, is an agape, sacrificial love. It is a a Greek word that means sacrificial and attention because of the flaws. So I'm second. Others are first. I'm a servant. I'm not better than anyone, and I'm going to accept everyone, the other people around you, because I also want to be accepted, transparent, and vulnerable. So as you get to know that person this week and you find out some difficult things about them, your action is to love them because of it, not in spite of it. 
because we'll be known by our love. Jesus himself said that. Fourth thing, working together with one mind and purpose. This fourth thing that we're going to do as a church is to synergize. Synergize. We'll not be afraid to fail. We'll fight for synergy. We'll, we'll fight for one mind. We'll fight for one purpose. This word synergize means to come together different parts and actually work fluidly together. Like we're actually going to work together as a machine works with the gears and the belts. It's synergy. This is actually a Greek word, the exercise of the mind, where it says one mind and one purpose is actually a Greek word, two different words smashed together. It is sinking the soul. And so what I'm doing when I get to know someone and I see their flaws and I see their mistakes, I'm actually going to sync up my soul with their soul so we can get along and we can accomplish something for Jesus. Paul refers to this as a united in spirit or harmonious. Paul wanted the Philippians and he wants the church today to actually be harmonious, one with Christ, in sync, synergy. This is not the idea that one of us has to give up our rights so we submit to another one. That's not what the idea is. The idea is Jesus is in front of us and both individuals give up both of their rights to align with Jesus. And so no one's giving up their position for someone else. You're actually both giving up your position for Jesus. And so we got to align ourselves with Jesus. That is a synergy. We're choosing to abandon our desires and our, 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 our own opinions to mutually merge our lives with Jesus. Paul's writing to a diverse crowd. And he's calling them to align. He's writing to us, and he's calling us to align. Because a powerful church is a church aligned under Jesus and nothing else. So, here's your action for this point. Get on a serving team. Get on a team that you can use your gifting that God has given you and exercise that gifting for the body. Get involved, because it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about my opinion. It's about others. It's about him. And so for all this work to be done, Paul finishes this little section with three do's and three don'ts. You could try the other steps. You could try to do the four things that we want to do as a church. But if you don't do these, it will fall apart. It will not work. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look on your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So this is the launch pad for the next section we're going to get to about Jesus but this is the kind of where the rubber meets the road. And there's a theme that I want us to grasp this year is that if I truly want to follow Christ and if I truly want to synergize and I truly want to love others and I truly want to get on the same page and I truly want to follow, find and follow Jesus, I'm actually going to have to die. I'm not calling you to physically die. I'm calling you to let your opinions and your life die. Jesus tells us that if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me, because it's not about me. We say this all the time, we've been saying it for years, and the truth is, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's about others around me. When I come to this point in my life, when it's all about Jesus and others, I actually put to death my desires and my beliefs, my own preferences and the direction of my life, and I submit it to Christ. It's one thing to say we will do this, and it's wholly a different thing to actually do it. What does this look like? This means that I will not always get my way. This means that I will not stay quiet. I'm mean, sorry, I will stay quiet and listen more so that others can speak. This means that I'll actually take the job that no one else wants. 
I'll defer to others. I will see people as Jesus sees people. I will have other people's backs, and I will truly be interested in people in my church family. I will realize that others struggles like, struggle like I do, and I'll go out of my way to serve others. I'll find a place in the body of Jesus to serve, and I will love others even when they hurt me, offend me, or mistreat me. I will give others the benefit of the doubt. I will trust God for peace, and I will believe in the sovereignty and providence of God, and I will be a change agent. I will be a servant. I'll be a friend. And today I'll connect with someone to meet, get on the same page, get to know them, and encourage them this week because I must die. Jesus said anything that's going to grow needs to be put in the ground and die in order to put up produce fruit. And so today my opinions and myself and what I think needs to die. How do I do that? I step out of my comfort zone a little bit. I connect with someone and say, hey, you have time this week for coffee? You have time this week for lunch or dinner? Whatever. And then get together and talk through your spiritual journey. Try to encourage one another. I ask myself, what, what is the evidence that God is actually working in my life? Am I submitting to him? What's the evidence that he's working out his plan in me? I think a lot of us, many of us, are happy with a few little wins playing the game, we win one or two times, and then we get overthrown and bogged down with all our failure. Let us make a practice to give ourselves grace as we give others grace. Make sure that we don't settle for just a few wins because the playbook is here, and if we play this playbook that Jesus has lined out, it is our guide to life, to an abundant life. And it's not the life you think you're going to get with all riches and glory, it's actually a life where you die so that Jesus gets the glory and you have an abundant life connected with him for eternity. Don't settle for anything less than what God has planned for you. Paul encourages us to play to win. Don't settle for second best. I'd like to pray for you this morning. Let's pray. God, this morning, we do want to play to win. We do want to be successful. And yet many times we look at the rule book and it just seems unreachable. And so in order for us to win, Jesus, you've actually involved us and included us in your mission. You've invited us in to take part. You didn't just redeem us to have us relax and sit. You actually redeemed us so we could step out and be a part of the mission. God, this morning as we think about Paul's words and the questions he asks and the things that he encourages us to do, God, I, I pray that we find Jesus and when we find him, we would just follow him. God, I pray that our church, Bethel Community Church here in Yukon, Oklahoma, in this area would just be on the same page and God, that we would get on mission together and understand that it's not about me, it's all about others, it's all about Jesus. God, I pray that we would love unconditionally that we would get to know people and actually love them because of their flaws. God, and then this synergy, this coming together to, to work fluidly together is something that only practice will bring. And my prayer, God, is that as people know or hear or get involved in Bethel, they could honestly say that we love one another, that we work with one another, and that, God, that we forgive one another. We thank you for that day so long ago that you came to this earth you humbled yourself as a servant. You became a man. You walked with us. And you died for us. And in your example, we must die. Not give up our 
physical life, but give up our opinions and our purpose and our motives and lay them at your feet. God, you do whatever you want to do with our lives. Your evidence is all around us, the evidence of your goodness, the evidence of your work in our lives, the evidence of our church family, the evidence of even our, our, our spiritual longing to know you is there. I pray that we would every day pick up our cross, whatever it would be, connect with those around us, encourage them, and walk with purpose. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet? We're going to worship together. Uh, I, I was thinking of the, the power of the blood just reminding me, it's like, how am I supposed to die to myself? Like, how am I supposed to give up what I want, my opinions, my plan, my desires to be in sync with someone else? And it almost seems like that's not possible because I know me. Mm-hmm. But I'm confident that if God's word says I should do it, it's possible for me to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the power of the blood is how right. I can do it. Right. It's him working through me that makes me be able to say, okay, I really want it this way, but I can give it up. It's those little steps of giving up ourselves right. and dying to our own desires so we can be in sync with someone else. Well, I, it's the I building blocks too, because a lot of us are like, how can I do it? Well, for me to live as Christ. And so how can I do it? Well, God began the good work in me and he'll complete it. Right. And how can I do it? Well, I'm going to go back. And it, we just have to remember that it's a building process. And if we don't, I mean, it's hard work. We've been, we've been together 23 years and it's like, Every other week, we're I like, I just wish oh, you'd do exactly what I, I wanted you to do when I, know, I wanted you to do it. I know. Things would be so Me much too. easier. <laughs> I know. So it's like two people fighting together, and I think marriage is a good uh, picture of God wanting to synergize his church, because if I can figure out how to mingle our souls together and actually get on the same page, we'll have a fruitful family and a peaceful family, but then that extends to the church. And so we have to work it out, unless we just don't want to work it out. And in the church, we come on Sundays and we go home and it's like, I don't have to work it out with them. Actually, we do need yeah. to work it out, right? Yeah. And it's giving up my rights for Jesus's. Right, just biting. So it's like almost like the spiritual tongue bite. Like, <laughs> hmm, yes, yeah. I will hold my opinion because it doesn't matter. So many times we have these strong opinions. It doesn't really matter right. in the end. And then in the end, I'll just go and tell you, hey, you messed up. You need to bite your tongue. No, that's not going to work yeah. either. So it's like. That always works really well. No, that's us, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. No, that doesn't work either. So I got to figure it out on my own. So it says, don't look only at your own interests, but the interests of others. So I got to look at myself too. So amen. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Are we we, done? We're done. I think we we should have practiced before we come up here. No, it makes it more fun. It makes it more fun when we just get up here and make fools of ourselves. Right. Okay. All right. We're done guys. Um, (laughs) Align this week. Um, Find somebody to pour into, to encourage to um, give of yourself, find someone that you're completely have totally opposite agreements with and love each other. And so as get out we, of your comfort zone a little bit today. Okay. Yeah. As you leave today, remember that here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a good week. Love you guys.